Well, hello everybody. Today I'd like to talk about one of the Bible's great heroes, Abraham. But first I would like to consider the subject of friendship. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a few very, very close friends. And I considered the question, why are they so valuable to me? And my answer varied, but it really hung on these few things. Number one, I value their comfort in times of need. Number two, I value their faithfulness in pointing out things that I'm perhaps a bit blind to. Number three, I value their wisdom and uh, being able to talk things through. I value their company, number four. And number five, I value laughter. I love to laugh with my friends. Now I've no doubt that you could add plenty to this list. And it seems strange to me that uh, we could apply those needs to God, possibly. Could we? He doesn't need my comfort. He sure doesn't need my wisdom. I'm not sure he particularly enjoys my company, at least perhaps not most of the time anyway. And yet the Bible calls us God's friends. It says, I no longer call you my servants, but I call you my friends. And I don't know about you, but I find that quite extraordinary. And yet there is one man that the Bible has singled out by name and called him God's friend forever. Abraham. But isn't it extraordinary that we can talk about Jesus, our friend? It says that he's closer than a brother. That God wants to be friends with us like he was with Abraham is quite extraordinary. God endeavoured to get a true friend in Abraham and he succeeded. In Isaiah 41, it says, you are the seed of Abraham, who was my friend. 2 Chronicles 20, Abraham is God's friend forever, it says. In the letter written by James in the New Testament, he talks about Abraham being called the one who was a friend of God. So what do we know about this particular friend of God's? Well, he was the son of Terah, a tenth descendant of Noah, he had two brothers, Nahor and Haran. Haran was the father of Lot, who was Abraham's nephew. Abraham lived with his father right here on the map. This is Ur of the Chaldees today. It was an extraordinary city. It was wealthy, it was comfortable, large, it was ahead of its time. The houses even had elementary central heating. Abraham was married to his half-sister, Sarai. Her name was later to be changed by God, just in the same way that Abraham's name was also changed by God. Now, it was Abraham's father, Terah, that took the family away from Ur, and he took them in search of Canaan. But actually, he never got there. And after a 600-mile journey, they settled in modern-day Turkey. And they settled here at this place. This place became known as Haran, after Abraham's brother, who remained at this place with his father, Terah, until Terah died. Terah died here at about the age of 205. Now, while they were here in Haran, Abraham now turned 75, and God spoke to him. He said, leave this place, Haran, and go to a place that I will show you. 
and God would make him there the father of a great nation and would bless those that blessed that nation and he would curse those that cursed them. And that nation was the people of Israel, a people into whom we have been grafted. And they arrived after another 400 mile journey. But actually they didn't stay very long in the land as there was a severe famine. So they left heading south for Egypt. And it was here that Abraham lied about Sarah being his sister rather than his wife. At least it was a half truth. Sarah was his half sister, but also his wife. He was concerned that they would want Sarah and kill Abraham to get her. Well, Pharaoh did take Sarai into the palace, but he was plagued with disease and demanded that they left this, the land once he discovered that they were actually married. Well, they then returned via the Negev Desert. This is the Negev Desert. It's in the southern part of Israel, a most remarkable and inhospitable place. I spent nights here under canvas and you can see it seems every star in the sky, incredible views of the universe and the galaxy. Well, they were traveling through this area on their way to Bethel. Abraham grew increasingly wealthy with many herds of cattle. But there was not enough land to share it with Lot's many herds. So he gave Lot the choice of land and they divided it up and Lot elected to go east. He went to this area. It's known as the Plain of Jordan and he camped near Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. It was extremely fertile. The Dead Sea was not as dead then as it is now. Fresh water was quite plentiful and floated above the salt water in the northern reaches of the lake. And he lived amongst five cities of the plain of Jordan. And those five cities were Sodom, Gomorrah, Admar, Zeboim and Bela. And so fruitful was this area that it was compared to Eden. They have found ancient cities uh, in this area, but only one of those five cities has been positively identified. The destruction was quite complete. Now, for some time, these five cities and this area was ruled by a man who was the king of Elam. His name was Kedorlaomer, and Elam is here on the map. It's in modern day Iran. And after 13 years of rule, these five cities decided to rebel against the king of Elam. And the king was unimpressed and he came to restore order. A battle took place. It's become known in history as the Battle of Sidim. And swept up in the spoils of war were Lot, his family and his entire entourage. They were all taken north to the city of Laish later known as the city of Dan. It's in the very north of modern day Israel. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. This is the main gate of that city. It's 7,000 years old. 
It's the very gate that Abraham would have entered. I've walked up those steps and knocked on that door. You're not really supposed to do that. But how can you not knock on the oldest gate in the world? Well, one person had escaped from the Elamites, one of Lot's people, and he rushed to tell the news to Lot's uncle Abraham. And Abraham gathered 318 trained men and he pursued them to Dan, or Laish. Abraham split his men into two teams and he attacked at night. The Elamite king was chased and he was killed just north of Damascus. On his way back from this heroic rescue, Abraham was travelling south back to Bethel. And he passed an old city. The city was named Salem. It was a city that was later to be taken over by the Jebusites and then later was captured by David and known as Jerusalem, the city of peace. And as Abraham headed south with the Mount of Olives on his left and Jerusalem on his right, it was called the Valley of Decision or the Kidron Valley. And it was here that he met with a most intriguing person who introduced himself as the King of Peace the Lord himself. That's what I believe. Let me tell you about this strange man and you can reach your own conclusions. His name was Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and he brought out bread and wine for Abraham. He was called the priest of God Most High and he blessed Abraham now, the only other reference in the Old Testament to this particular man is, is in a psalm by David, who was talking prophetically of Jesus. And the psalm reads this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, that's Jesus, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So what else do we know? Well, he was the king of Salem, that would become Jerusalem, the city of our great God, the city which God loves, the city which Jesus will return to, the city of peace. Salem comes from the word Shalom. He was the king of peace, the king of Salem. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Hebrews 7 says of Melchizedek an interesting thing. It says that Melchizedek had no father and no mother, and that had, he had no beginning of days, nor end of life. He was certainly no ordinary human being. He was called Chakoren Elohim, the High Priest of God, and yet Jesus is called the same. And the idea that there are two such positions is really not credible. In addition to all this, there's an interesting hint discovered not that long ago in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was in scroll numbered 11Q13, column 2. And this is the oldest text we have for this portion of the scriptures. 
when talking of the year of Jubilee and proclaiming Jubilee to the captives, the scripture reads, this is the year of the Lord's favour. But in this oldest text that we've got, it actually reads, this is the year of Melchizedek's favour. It replaces Melchizedek for the word Lord. Well, I believe that this is one of the, or this is perhaps the first of several face-to-face -face meetings between the Lord and Abraham, meetings that drew them together as friends. It was after this time that the voice of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, and God restated his promise to him. In fact, he made a covenant between God and Abraham, and Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. The Yahweh, God's name, which is to do with covenant keeping, was added to Abraham's name. And at the same time, Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. Circumcision was given as a sign of this covenant. And Abraham circumcised himself and uh, all of the men in his entourage. And no doubt they spent a few uncomfortable days. The covenant said that he would be the father of a great nation and God's friend's offspring would become God's people. And it was foretold that these descendants would be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years until the sins of the Canaanites became so bad that God could justly lead them out under Moses and give them the promised land. Well, Abraham now was a hundred years old. He was without children, as was typical. He lived in a tent and he lived right here at a place called Mamre, a little bit north of Hebron. And his tent was pitched next to a terebinth tree or a pistachio palestina. This is a terebinth. And Abraham was sat under the tree in the cool of its shade. And whilst he was sat under there, Abraham saw the Lord and two others walking towards him and he ran to them. And he bowed down to the ground and he said, Lord, if I have found just a little favour in your eyes, then don't pass me by. Come and sit under the tree with me and I'll make you a morsel of bread and I'll wash your feet for you. Allow me to refresh your heart, is the phrase that it uses. And the Lord agreed with Abraham. Abraham hurried to Sarah and asked her to cook some bread and they cooked a meal between them made of veal. And during this discussion, a son was promised to them through Sarah. Sarah was unconvinced. She'd been barren all of these years. Well, as they were about to leave, they confirmed that they were on the way to deal with Sodom for their sexual perversions. Abraham pleaded for the few, but in the end we're told that not even ten righteous were found in that city. Now in the years leading up to all of this, Abraham had tried to have a child with Hagar, Sarah's handservant. They came up with this cunning plan, trying through their own methods to produce an heir. And Ishmael was the result. Ishmael was born 15 years before Isaac. Hagar and Ishmael were eventually encouraged to leave by Sarah, and Ishmael became the father of numerous Arab nations. But God's covenant would pass down the line 
of Isaac, not Ishmael. God even gave Isaac his name. The name Isaac means laughter, for it brought joy to the family. And so we come to the story of Isaac, born to Sarah when Sarah was around 90 to 91 years old. Some time passed, it says, when God asked of Abraham if he would be prepared to sacrifice his son. And we all know the story. And I'm going to return to it in just a little while, if you'll allow me. Coming back to Sarah. Sarah died at the age of 127, and Abraham buried her in the cave of Machpelah, known as the Tomb of the Patriarchs. Later, Abraham was to take a new wife, a lady called Keturah. She bore him six sons, including Midian, the father of the Midianites who would give Moses such a hard time some centuries later. Now Abraham lived long enough to see Isaac marry Rebekah and Abraham died at 175 years. He was buried by his two sons Isaac and Ishmael in the same cave as Sarah. So what are the things that we can learn from this story of Abraham? Well I've come up with four things, not exhaustive by any means. Number one, Abraham learned to worship one God. It's believed that Abraham's father made idols of other gods for a living. Polytheism, that's believing in many gods, was the order of the day during Abraham's time. But Abraham got to know the God Yahweh, the only true God. And we have this early commitment to monotheism. He believed in one God, as we do. And he developed a relationship with that one God as we have. He made a covenant with one God. And in this he led the way and he showed us the way. Number two, he showed us what faith is. Hebrews says that it was by faith that Abraham got up from Haran and left to the place God would show him. He couldn't see what was before him, but he believed God and he acted on it. Moreover, in Genesis 15, it says that when Abraham believed God and acted upon it, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, we're called to be putting on our robes of righteousness, and this clothing of ourselves is the same principle. We get properly dressed in robes of righteousness by believing God and acting upon it. The righteous acts of the saints is how our wedding garments are described in the book of Revelation. And we're told that we're supposed to be getting ready, putting on our robes of righteousness. By the way, they were freely given to us. If you read the story in Revelation, they were given by the king. They're not our own righteousness. We're putting on God's righteousness. Number three. Now, I don't know how old you think Isaac was when he was taken for sacrifice, but he was not a child. It says it was quite a long time after. Now we know from Sarah's age at his birth and at her death that he must have been older than five and younger than 37. The phrase used in Genesis more often than not means a long amount of time, quite a long time after he was born. 
He was certainly old enough to travel the three very arduous days. It was him that carried all of the firewood for the sacrifice. It was him that assisted his elderly father, who was more than likely 120 or more years old. The term boy is used in Genesis, but the term boy is actually used of men in their prime more often than not. It was used of Absalom when he was a man. It's a word that's used for a junior officer in the army. Not a toddler or an infant. The Jews and Josephus, the ancient Jewish historian, believe that Isaac was somewhere between 25 and 33. And that means he was a willing participant in all of this. It's interesting to note that Abraham and Isaac travelled to this place, Mount Moriah. This is the very spot that Jesus was to die nearly 2,000 years later. And it was at this spot that a lamb or a ram was found with its head caught in thorns. Do you remember the story of Isaac? Just as Jesus was found there with his head wrapped in thorns. And God said to Abraham, I don't require this sacrifice of you and your son, but me and my son, well, we will go through it. And we will go through it at this very place. What a picture that points us to the redeeming work of Jesus that was to come. Finally, and I'm sure that there is so much more that we could say, but Abraham teaches us how to run the race, how to keep running to the very end. He lived in faith and he died in faith. He never let go of his friendship with God until the day that he went to be with him forever. I wonder what those two friends have been talking about ever since. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to be counted amongst God's friends, to remain in his friendship. Let's endeavour to do that to the very end, just like Abraham. God bless.